your video went out too. <clears throat> Live. Uh, so we've got Ty Cohen on today. Uh, I want to thank him for coming on. Um, Ty and I have been friends for a couple years. We met um, weirdly on a cruise, I got to say. I'm not, I'm not really a cruise guy. But he's he's part of a, a little clique of, of guys that I call close friends that I you know I see I see from time to time, and uh, he was gracious enough. I, I called him up a couple weeks ago. And I said I'd love to have you on the show, and you know he he obliged. So um, Ty, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now now this has been what your third or fourth I think cruise, third, maybe third, yeah, something like Very that. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, no, it's cool. It keeps getting better and better. Um, and. Uh, you know, we wanted you on the show for a while. Um, I feel like you're you're one of those guys that that has a program that helps really almost like mentor and bring people into this biz op world, right? Um, you know, it's a, it's called Kindle Cash Flow, right? Yep. Yeah, that's it. Um, and you know, you've been doing as long as as I've known you. Um, and we'll we'll touch base on that later. But um, I think that's really like the mainstay here is uh, is is hopefully we get to discuss that. We have enough time. And, and really like dive into that. But, you know, in the meantime, like I, like I had said to you earlier, you know, I'd like for the audience to get to know you. It's the first time you've been on the show. Um, and I, you know, I remember when we first met, you know, I'm from Northern New Jersey. You were from Connecticut originally. Right. Um, now, now, now you're living in the deep South, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so every time I talk to you, you got a smile on your face. So I know it's, it's doing you good, right? Yeah. Hey, man, it's 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 a beautiful thing here, even with everything that's going on, you know, with uh, everyone being quarantined and all for the most part. Yeah. yeah. How, so. how are you guys uh, doing? Because I know you have an office down there, right? Yeah, I actually, you know, ironically, I just got because we had we just moved. My office that I had was literally two minutes away from my house. I had two offices. I had one in downtown Raleigh that was maybe about 20 minutes away. Yeah. And then I had another one that was two minutes away. So the one that was 20 minutes away, I barely went to, right? The one that was two minutes away, I went to maybe about once or twice a week. And um, we we moved since then. We moved in March. And now we are we're about 40 minutes away from that office. So I said, you know, there's no way I'm ever yeah. going back there. So we just – and then, you know, with everything that happened, it just kind of worked out too. Yeah. So now, you know, the team is virtual. So Well, well, being that like, you know, I, I'm kind of diving right into it, being that you're like mainly an online marketer, right? Yeah. Um, did you find yourself always having an office with your business or is it something that came later? You know, I, I in Connecticut I had one and it was more of a, a space to – to, to go to, right? To get outside of uh, the, the, the regular everyday scene of being in a house, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things about working from home is people don't really think that you're working. Yeah. Like you could be working and be the busiest person ever, but you know, it's, sure. it's, Hey, you're right here. Can you go in and run and grab some milk or can you go get some eggs or can you help me, you know, yeah, or the kids or distraction, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. the first one was more of to, you know, just have something to get away to yeah. when I need it. Let, yeah. Let's talk about those early days. Like when, yeah. when, so when you first started off, you were, you were a single guy, not relationship wise, I'm saying business wise. And, uh, you were still popping into an office to get that distance. Yeah. Yep. So single guy, let me, let me think back at that time. So at that time, cause I, I've been in business for a while, um, for a long time, actually. Let, let's now. talk about some years here. I mean, I, yeah. you know, just so we can give yeah. people some perspective. Yeah. So, so I've been in business for, 
I started one of my first businesses when I was about 19 years old. Um, so yeah, I've been in business for, for a while. What, what were you doing at 19? Can, can I ask you? Man, yeah, absolutely. So at 19, I was, I was so into comic books, right? Sure. And, and the reason why I got into comic books was because I have sickle cell anemia. Yeah. So something called sickle cell anemia, I would spend a lot of time in the hospital. I would spend days or weeks in the hospital, sometimes like up to a month in the hospital. Wow. And uh, as a kid, you know, 10, 12 years old, you're in a hospital and you've got this pain and you kind of don't understand it when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, right? You don't understand it. Your friends are having fun and you're, you know, you've got an IV in your arm. You've got oxygen going through, uh, you know, and my mom was super smart. Yeah. So my mom did not, uh, she, she didn't graduate, um, well, she didn't go to college or anything like that, right? Um, got her GED from high school, but was one of the most common sense individuals that I've ever known. So she knew that by bringing me stuff to read, comic books and things like that, she would bring me stacks of comic books to read in the hospital, that it would help me to kind of have a coping, coping mechanism and, and take my mind off of it. So I got to the point where I just love this so much, man. And I started to get into like the superheroes, the, the Spider-Man stuff, the Superman uh, action figures from comic books, and then started collecting those uh, figures and had so many that my mom was like, listen, you're either going to get rid of this junk. That's what she called it. The action figures and everything, yeah. or I'm going to throw it away. And I'm like, no, you can't throw it away. And I, you know, there were, Specialty magazines at the time, which I think are still around now, Action Figure Digest, Toy Shop. And I ended up putting in like a, a business card size ad in one of these magazines one day what, about what, this size. What gave you what gave you that that thought? You know what? I just thought it was cool. Like I would, you know, I would read like the, the back of these magazines and you would see all of these ads. And I was just just, you know, curious by it. And um, it was 25 bucks at that time. So I put a little ad in. That's a lot of money. Yeah, at that time it it was you know it was um you know I was working a job as well so you know and I never spent money on anything that was I just never spent money on anything other than you know hobbies and stuff like that. So I had to really? I had to, even a at that age you had that discipline. Yeah, man. You know why I looked at. And nothing against Jordans or anything like that, but I just like I'm like, man, I worked so hard. I can't see spending my money on on I can't see that much, you know, spending that much money on something. Now, spending money on comics or collectibles, stuff that truly gave me enjoyment, then that was cool. Um Well, you know, you, you I but, I, I wanna say this, you, you touched on two things that we always teach, right? Like one is to like you know, get into something that you love, that you have a lot of interest yeah. in, right? Because it, it's going to drive you. And then the other thing is, is like really watch, like, you know, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, at a young age, and, and I feel like that probably had a large, you know, influence on, on how you became so successful was, yeah. was, was being able to, you know, kind of wrap, because, you know, at that age, no one's thinking about that, right? Like, it's really incredible. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's different looking back now in hindsight. And, you know, again, going back to my mom, right? She always had this philosophy, this principle of uh, live off of 30% of what you bring home, you oh, know? Right. So it came from, it came from your mom. It's, it's interesting. We, we ask a lot too, like, what did your parents teach you about money? Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about pre-show, right? We were talking about the rich yeah. teaching the rich and it's like, your mom had those good ethics. She taught them to you and, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, but it, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a, it was both sides, right? So, you know, my mom was on welfare. She got like 400 something bucks a month. Um, so surely she wasn't uh, living off of 30% of that. You know what I mean? Um, she had, we, there's, I had six brothers and sisters, and then she also was taking care of my nephews and my niece as well. Um, so she wasn't able to do that. Now, as I think about it, you know that there's no way she was able to take 400 something bucks and live off of 30% of that. But it was, it was something that she had still taught to us. Um, and did did it permeate your siblings by any chance? No, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Um, and it's one of those weird things, right? You, you, You see that it's, you can have people that grew up in the same household yeah. that go through the same experiences. And some people catch it. Some people don't, you know, mm-hmm. not that they're those people that don't catch it are bad people. It's just that, you know, we just see things differently and those things shape yeah. who we become. Um, so, but yeah, so that was a big part of it. That, that understanding the importance of, and I, and it's, it's still a principle that I live with to this day. Right. Uh, and now I'm able to spend a lot less than that, less than the 30%, because as you start to make more, right, then you yeah. can start to live off of less, 5%, 10%. Yeah. Um, but it takes that discipline, it takes that practice, and it takes you not knowing any better, you know, earlier on. And um, I think it's something that you could do at any age. Really? So I think so, man. I think I think that you could get to a point where you – so let's say you have a garbage person, right? And you have that person that is is making maybe about four hundred bucks. Well, you just even number five hundred bucks a week, right? So he's using that to pay the bills and to live off of. The thinking now has to be okay. What else can I do, right? What type of a business can I start? What can I sell? To um, make more instead of save. More. Yes, because okay. that's that is the mistake there, right? So yeah. going back to what I was saying with my mom, kind of. You know, she had parts of it, but not all of it. Because she would always say, save, 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 save. I think that's totally wrong. I teach my kids invest, 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 whether it's investing in your business or investing in other things. Because I, you know, I I took my mom's advice, save, 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 save. And and I had a a decent amount of money saved after a while, but it was nothing had I learned to invest much earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. and was really, you know, I was more into saving than investing. But I was just talking to uh, Marty and Josh today, two guys that we were talking about behind the scenes. And I was like, man, you guys are like 25, you're 29, and you're asking me about stock advice and investing advice, you know, and just different different means. And I'm like, you know, I was investing at that age, but I wasn't serious about it. It was yeah, 2%, yeah, yeah. you know? So I'm like, you guys this is, this are going to be this good. This is why I think a mentor is like huge. Right. Yes. You had a kind of a mentor in your mom, but like, you know, she only knew a few little things. If you had somebody like you, and I think that's what you, why you and I connect, because we're always talking to these kids. We want to be what we want. You know, we wish we had this when we were 20 years old. Right. Um, And, and that's what's, that's, what's incredible about you in the program. That's why we wanted you on here. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to jump into the story, but, but but that's it. Right. Yeah. And you want to give them pure filtered stuff. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you've got a kid that you're mentoring, you want to give, like you've made the mistakes, right? Like I've made the mistakes and 
if you could just give someone this shortcut, you could say, hey, I screwed up on this. Yeah. But if you do this, then I can't guarantee that it'll be a home run for you, but you increase your chances that it'll be a home run. And I just, man, I, I get a kick out of just seeing these, these dudes, man, these young guys just really take this advice and um, unquestionably, unquestionably take it and, and do well with it, you know? So yeah. it's, well, it's really know, so fascinating. Going back to real quick, cause I want, I want you to stay on your story, but you know, I, I think it's interesting that you think that, you know, you can get some people and change their mindset. Like I've always kind of believed like, you know, you're like built to be that person and maybe you can modify a little bit, but you know, I don't see people change much in that sense, especially in like their mindset with like spending and saving or investing or, or, or whatever it is. Um, so how are you getting, how are you getting across to people like this? Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much the same, right? So I used to be of the belief that it's hard to change people. As a matter of fact, my mom used to have a saying and that saying was a leopard doesn't change its spots. Right. So meaning they, they don't, they don't change. But I feel that people have to have, there's two instances where people change. Either you have your back up against the wall, right. And you have no choice. Let's say, like my, my mother-in-law, right? She was a smoker for a long time, right? She recently got COPD a couple of years back. Wow. Quit like that. Back up against the wall, right? Wow. So, and then there's other people that you could just get fed up. Like you can totally get fed up. Like that was it for me. Like we grew up in the hood. We grew up in one of our worst housing projects. Uh, you think in Connecticut, right? And Connecticut farmland and and. Yeah, you know, I didn't pastors. Think had hoods. I didn't. I oh my that. God, we grew up in Father Panic Village. So if you get a, a second, second, Google Father Panic Village housing project. Mm -hmm. um, the murder rate was insane, so much that state troopers would be scared to go there. Police officers would be scared to go in. Um, you would see shootings. I mean, daily, and it, it it was a point where that was a turning point for me. Right. So, so there's, there's, there's going to be sometimes several turning points for you. Uh, one of the turning points for me was me being in hospital, Yale New Haven hospital. And I hear my mom and my, and my doctor outside of my door. And my doctor says, Mrs. Cohen, you shouldn't expect your son Ty to live past the age of 17. Right. I'm 12 years old. They didn't know I heard the story. The doctor's speaking in a real matter of fact tone. And I'm like, I just put the covers over my head, man. And I'm bawling. Like, I'm like thinking like, what the hell? Like I'm 12. That means I got, like, think about someone saying you have five years to live, yeah, like at your age, I you know? At, at, so, so for a 12 year old, you're, you're like, up. you're going to give up. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. Right. So that's exactly what I did. I saw like my brothers, they were all into street life. My younger brother was into street life at an early age. I'm talking about like 10 years old, he would bring stolen cars home and things like that. And um, so I'm like, man, I got five years. I might as well just have fun. So I started right? living, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I started living a really destructive life, you know, a, a really destructive life, doing a lot of crazy stuff um, to myself, to people. And, you know, just, just, then it, it was about, so that was my first pivotal point, right? That was the first paradigm shift that I had. Right. And it, it, and then about 17, my mom and dad were separated, but my dad would always come by and, you know, give us money. He would always come by to pick up me and my younger brother, take us yeah, to church. Thing, right? Yep. He was always, he was always there. And, uh, you know, one time we, we go to church from 
And on the way back, he had this old Volkswagen Beetle, the, the old ones, the round one. And he had a, a book by Les Brown in the back of his car. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, my dad wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't know him as someone that was into personal development. He was a blue, very much blue collar worker. He was a uh, construction worker. That was his main job. He was a uh, taxi driver and he was a security guard. So those were his jobs that I knew him as. I, I never knew him as I an entrepreneur. Him, huh? Dude, he would get up at four in the morning, you know, drop me and my brother off the nights that we would spend the night with him. Right. Four in the morning. I kind of hate it sometimes yeah, going right. because in Connecticut, getting up at four in the morning in the winter, it's brutal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he had this this book by Les Brown and I'm reading this book. I'm at, I'm 17 at this time now. And now, you got this, like six months to live in your mind. This is it. Yeah, this is the year. I'm like, seriously, this is the year. So I pick up this book by Les Brown, motivational speaker. You've heard of Les Brown, right? Yeah. And um, in it, Les is talking about, hey, never, never let someone's opinion of you become your reality. You know, if you can get up, if you can look up, you can get up. I mean, he's got all of this stuff that's empowering in his book. And I had never seen anything like that before. Never seen it come from someone that looks like me, right? Less is African-American. And um, I ended up taking that book out of my dad's car. I stole it out of his car. And I went home that night and I read the entire thing, man. I stayed up to like three, four o'clock in the morning reading it at 17. And that was the point where I said, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it, but things are going to change. And um, so that was the second paradigm shift for me, right? So sometimes we go through these things. We go through these things. And then the, the third one was I worked at Walgreens Pharmacy and um, my boss there, guy, Italian guy by the name of Vinny Cito, he invited me to his wedding. Now, I lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and he lived in Westport, Connecticut, right? About two towns over. But it was totally night and day. Bridgeport, total poverty, crime, Westport, mega wealth. You, you've got stars like Hulk Hogan, who was there. Regis Philbin, Diana Ross. I mean, just a lot of money coming in from New York. And uh, we pull up to his house before the the wedding and everything. And I see his house and I'm like, what the hell? And I'm looking at it. And now I think about it. It was just a regular house. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at that age, I'm like, oh, my God. Are you mean to tell me like 15 minutes away people are living like this? So that was the third paradigm shift for me. And I knew that he wasn't any smarter than me. Yeah. He's a regular guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, regular guy. Can we, can we touch on that a little bit? I mean, you know, you're talking about a period where, you know, say he's an Italian guy, so we're going to call him a white guy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, where, where, where did you see any, like, barricades or blockades for you other than, like, your own personal, you know, self or growth at this time period? Um, no, I, 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 just, I just knew that I didn't know what I didn't know, and I had to figure that out. Yeah. Right. So I, I never really, honestly, man, I never, I had a lot of friends who, and we're having a candid conversation, I take it. Right. So I had a lot of friends who always talked, who, who, who said, man, you know, the man will hold you back or, you know, it's hard for a brother to get past certain yeah. things. Um, and yes, right. There is racism. There's all types of crap that's out there. But I don't think that anyone can really hold you back. And I never really subscribed to that. I always knew that. Yeah. Listen, I had sold drugs at, during that period from like 12 to 17. Yeah. And I looked at, 
it's not something that I'm super proud of. But I looked at like the guys that were drug dealers. I'm like, these guys are freaking smart. Like they are brilliant. Like, because as a drug dealer, there's so many different obstacles. You have the cops that you have to watch out for. Yeah. You have uh what we used to call the stick up boys, and these were guys that would want to come and rob you. Yeah. So you have uh um drug addicts that would, you know would be a threat. So you've got like all of these different obstacles and for you and to be able to business you know? and you run the business. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm like, man, if, if only they knew that there were other obstacles, like you could literally beat the hell out of anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I took that thinking, right. I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's no way that like these guys could come from what I experienced and survive. So like if they're able to do this and not have all of these obstacles, Jesus, so imagine what easy. I could do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's how I always looked at it. And Jay Z kind of speaks about that to a degree too. Saying, you know, it's 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 easy. So I I, I just knew that there were things that I didn't know. That was yeah, it. And I had know, to figure I those think, things out. I think it's like, you know, like our crew, right? You're in our crew, yeah. like we're very yep. mixed, right? We've got very mixed. black, white, Asian, Hispanic, you name it, right? Yeah. I feel like, you know, in all denominations. And, you know, and we're all, you know, roughly around the same age or whatever. And yep. Again, I don't feel that like, you know, people are dealing with that. But the one thing I do notice is like you said, it's like, do you have like, you know, do you have a good um, a mentor? Like right now, you know, you've made it out there. So, you you know, you're a middle-aged, you know, black man that can go and speak to other other minorities or other kids and say, well, if this guy did it, I can do it. But when yeah. you were doing it, nobody did it. No, no one did it. And no I didn't did know it. anyone that, that owned a business. Like I, no one at all. You know that that owned the. Uh, I knew I knew guys that owned stores like corner stores, bodegas, yeah. and stuff like that. But they they owned those stores as a result of selling drugs and using that money in that way. Really, you know, these were guys that were at a much higher level. Like I was just a you know regular guy when I was doing it. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know, and that's what I mean by I just knew that there were things that I didn't know. You know about business, about yeah. marketing, and you know. And did you uh, have exposure to like other races here? Because I know you said you worked at a Walmart or Walgreens or whatever. So you, Walgreens. Yeah, with this Italian yeah. guy. Yeah. And was that really your first exposure outside of the black community? No, man. So so I had a, a friend of mine. So so we grew up in a all Spanish neighborhood. There was only like three black families in our neighborhood. Everyone else was uh, primarily Puerto Rican, Cuban, Dominican. Um, there was... I had two white friends, no, three, three white friends, one guy, Eric, right, um, who kind of lived next to us, and we were really close. Uh, another friend of mine, John Weldon, who uh, we're still kind of close to to this to this day, man. We, we went through, like, elementary school all the way up. Um, and then another guy, I think his name was uh, Eric or something like that also. My, my younger brother was friends with him. But that's about it. Everyone else were, were minorities. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, outside of working at Walgreens, but in the yeah. neighborhood, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um so so how did how did that play a factor into things? I you know what? I never paid attention to it to be honest with you. I always thought it was weird that the white guys lived in a uh, uh, um a black or Spanish neighborhood. Yeah. You know, that's I always as a kid I thought that that was weird. Yeah. I I just never I'm like, yeah, oh, that yeah. is interesting. What the hell is going on here? But I didn't know what to make of it, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, and it's a funny thing today because nowadays we either have like mixed communities or you have like still, you know, still ethnic communities. Yeah, um, yep, very much so. I mean, I mean, you were just saying yep. now, like I know where you live now, like it's all mixed, right? And you it's live insane. Now. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, where, I'm, where I live now is primarily, there's probably more Indians than anything. Um, Indians from India. Yeah. Uh, I'd say probably about 70%. But I mean, we've got a Cuban family that's, you know, right next to us, Indian family that's next to us here. Yeah. This is, uh, I think they're from Russia, the family across the street. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's very mixed. It's very yeah, mixed. Yeah, no, here. that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, you know, I mean, and yeah. that's it, man. So, so now we're, we're back in Connecticut here. You're, you're a young kid. Um, let's, let's talk about that first step, you know, so you had this like enlightenment where to go from there. So as far as like, just understanding, I, I knew that I knew working at Walgreens wasn't going to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like getting out of the, getting to the next, cause I had seen my dad, like my dad, like I told you, I, I, to this day, I know very few people that worked as hard as my dad did, Yeah. you know, um, I mean, this guy worked three jobs at any one. He ended up ultimately uh, getting shot. He was a he was a security guard as well, a taxi driver. That's where he got shot, and, and some oh, kids wow. tried to rob him. And uh, as he was giving them his keys and wallet, he turned around to 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 run, and they ended up shooting him in the back. But um, so so it it was entrepreneurship, right? So figuring that out. So I would go, man, and I would take like the bus down to the library. Yeah. Um, uh, downtown Bridgeport and really just like spend hours just like thumbing through things, just trying to figure it out, thumbing through books on how to start a business, thumbing through books um, on marketing. And I ultimately like came across books by guys like Gary Halbert, Gary Benzabinga, John Carlton, uh, copywriters, and, and kind of fell in love with the art of copywriting and persuasion and how you can actually get someone to to buy or to make a decision based on yeah. words, right? And and yeah. based on things like colors and based on a combination of colors and words and, and just the way you put your copy together, your words together can actually get someone to say yes or no. So like that was my initial starting point there. And um, just, just taking that, putting that first ad together. I remember now like laying on the floor, writing out that ad probably about 20 times because I wanted it, ad that about? $25 ad, right? I wanted it to be perfect, like the headline to be perfect. Like all of the stuff that I had learned at the library through these books, wow. I'm, t I'm internalizing it and taking it back home. And I'm like, this if, if I get this right, I'm thinking dollar signs. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, if I get this right, like this thing is going to make money, you know? And um, that ad ended up, doing pretty well. I think I made a couple hundred bucks off it or something like that. I can't even wow. remember. So, so now I know you touched on it. Uh, yeah. Just like you were selling comics or you're selling your, your stuff. That, like, I was selling action figures at this time. Action figures, yeah. Yep. Action figures at this time. So like, and it's like uh, a mail order business. It is. It's only yeah. mail order, man. I would yeah. go to the post office and, you know, I would get orders in and then, you know, uh, this is between work and my job because I'm working at Walgreens. Right. And, yeah. and at this time I'm an assistant manager. Um, and, you know, I'm working, we were, we were on a stipend. So we had to work, uh, 44 hours. So I'm working long days Yeah. and, um, I would come home at 11 o'clock at night, you know, check the orders, package these things up, take them to the post office, uh, the next morning before I go back to work and, 
and just repeat that cycle day after day after day after day. And now at this time, I'm, I'm putting in bigger. I go from a, a business card size ad to a quarter to an eighth of a page ad, then to a quarter page, and then after that to a half page, and then the full page, and now multiple full pages. So um, I eventually got that that business up to the point where it was making about $30,000 a month, man. When uh, wow. And I'm, I'm about 22 at that time. Wow. Yeah, so tell, take us a little bit from like, yeah. I assumed you quit your day job at that point, right? No, I did no. not. No, wow. it's crazy. It took me. So here's, here's the, here's the psyche behind like what we have been taught to be security. So I started that job when I was 14 as part of a summer program. Do you remember like summer programs up there? Like you can yeah. get a job in the summer at 14 Yeah. and then uh, at that time in Connecticut, the legal age to actually work was 15. So when I turned 15 in January, they actually hired me as an employee. Um, so I, I held that job from 14 to 23. It took me, man, listen, it took me three years to quit that job. It, I'm making way more with my toy business. I had a company called Planet Toys and... Um, but the the mental roadblocks there, right? Because but I'm I getting. Love I love that though. That's the mindset you got. You're like, well, if I can make some extra money here too, and still do this, and like, you know. Yeah, I think it's dangerous though. You know, I get yeah. a lot of people now who are like, you know, hey Ty, you know, I've got this thing going well, and you know, it's it's making me more money than I'm making at my job. And my advice is to quit because you, when your job for me, like for me, it was a parachute. Yeah. It it was a parachute, and then I was addicted to what people thought of me. So what I mean by that is my mom, right? Hey, you've got this great job. You've been at Walgreens for nine, 10 years. You're invested in the stock program, you in the stock sharing program. You, uh, you know, they know, like, and trust you there. You've got health benefits, you know, all of the old traditional stuff. And had I really known, I could have quit that job earlier, put all of my effort into my business and, you know, really grown that thing. Um, so I think we, we, we have to kind of, and that's what I'm talking about, like learning and relearning. So sometimes we have to unlearn what it is that has been passed down to us and then relearn and then and question. I tell my kids, question everything. Question everything that you know about religion, about business, about finances, about what, what I tell you, what your mom tells you, because we could be inadvertently passing you down some stuff, yeah. right, that we're not even aware of that doesn't really benefit you. You know, so I, I think the best thing is question everything and really, no one really thinks. Like we, we're so rushed nowadays. We don't really sit down and think and like, man, is this really the best move for me? Is this going to push me forward, push me back, or am I going to be stagnated by this move? Yeah. yeah. You know? So. Well, you know, and, and then I, I think like you said, you doubt yourself. You know, but I think one of the key things that I think that I, I've taken from this so far is like, you know, you eventually became a marketer and you learned real quickly, like how to, how to, you know, market, how to place yeah. ads, how to write copyright, which I think was probably a tool that like became very handy for you later yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I have with my clients all the time, you know, people don't want to spend money on advertising and, you know, they have this whole, like, I don't know, it's a weird, weird mindset of like oh i'm gonna get referral business or I've, I've got more business than i can handle already um so and because i didn't learn i didn't learn the advertising side till probably 10 years into my career and it right. definitely hurt me for sure yeah um 
So, you know, it, it's, it's probably to me, I always say advertising is what it is, right? It's, it's where it's at marketing, 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 everything else right. is just, you know, basically a secondary thing. Um, yeah. Right. So that, that's, that's an interesting thing. And I mean, I, what I find really intriguing is that like you learn this stuff out of books, like, you know, I always say like, oh, well, I didn't have the internet when, when I was, you know, 20 years old, but like right. you didn't even need, you're like F the internet, I'll go to the library and they've got those books there. Um, no, we so, had the internet at that time, but you only could use the computers at, for 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I mean, listen, we've had the internet for a while, but like even right. in 2000, the internet was around, like, but you yeah. can go on YouTube and find out how to, how to run an affiliate program, right? Or oh no, my God. No, you know, so, okay. Yeah. Internet has been around for a lot, but other than sending emails and, you know, surfing porn, it, it, it's, it's gotten yeah. a lot more useful in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, right? that's it. And try, try going to the library, man, and surfing porn during your 20 minute session. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Oh man, for sure. For sure. Oh man, that's great. So, you know, again, so, so we pick up, you've got the toy, toy business, you're still working. What, what's, what's the next step? In your life? Yeah. So the next step is I kind of went a little bit backwards, right? So I, I think that at this point I've got the toy business going and it's going pretty well. Um, here's, here's the thing. No one in my neighborhood knew that I was selling toys. Really? Like no one in the neighborhood. Again, it's a mindset set, set thing. Yeah. Um, Everyone thought I was selling drugs. Really? Because at that time, right, this is before we moved out of a neighborhood and everything, and before I even started to, to think about that and, and getting into personal development a little bit more, and we can talk about that and, and how that has changed things. But, like, I didn't spend any money, right? It went into me. Maybe I bought a nicer couple of cars, right? I've always liked cars, so that yeah. type of stuff. And, and in the neighborhood, if you've got a nice car, that's it. That's it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the thing there. So, um, no one, I mean, how do you, you've got all these dugged out friends. How yeah. do you tell them that you're selling toys? Right. So you, yeah. you, you kind of play the role and things like that. And I wish, I, I kind of wish I, I didn't, I, I kind of wish that at that point I had more confidence to say, listen, Oh my God, like guys, I am killing it with these. Like, yeah. Let's build something huge, yeah. you know? And um, I remember my, my cousin Rara uh, coming by my house one time, and I used to have a closet full of toys, and it was by the top of the stairs, and he came in, and he opened the closet, and it was like no one ever opened that closet there, right? And he sees all these toys, and he's like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? He's like, what's going on? Like... And I made up some story like, yeah, we knew some girl at Toys R Us and she hooked us up with all of this crap. And, you know, and that's one of the stories I regret because I, at that, like this guy was one of the, he was, he was a pretty big drug dealer. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he eventually ended up getting shot and killed in front of his mom at, and at a bodega. And um, mm -hmm. I now think back like, damn, if I would have said to him, dude, I'm selling these toys, like, and I'm making a killing. I'm, I'm making more than you are, yeah. you know? And legally, then he no risk, yeah. Yeah, he would have gotten intrigued, and you know, we could have done something that he could have still been here and 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 just to, you know, the, the thought of, you know can, can, can we touch yeah. on that a little bit? Did did you find that you started changing full <laughs> of friends at this point? Or at any point? Yes, but it wasn't until later. So at this point, man, I'm I'm probably about and that was the next paradigm shift. 
Great. So that well, was the next. About when we get to it. I just, you know. Yeah, that was that was the next period I should. So, so you talked about like what was the next thing. So, so I I had this toy business and it was going good. And everyone around me was either a singer or a rapper, right? That's the thing in the hood. Like, think about it, right? Yeah. Um, no sports though. I thought I thought the sports are big in the hood too. I never was into sports, so yeah. uh, I never really paid attention to it. So I'm sure there were a lot of people that that were into sports, but because of sickle cell, I never really got into sports. Yeah. Because of the stress of that could easily cause like the stress of playing basketball or can, football. Can we touch on that too that you mentioned it? So now you're 23 years old, you're still alive. Do you yeah. spend every day thinking I'm going to be dead tomorrow or did, did it leave your mind at this point? It left my mind at that point. Yeah. At, now. So it never really held you back? No, it didn't. I was actually talking to my brother, my younger brother the other day. He was in the hospital and... um he called me and he's like, man, I'm sorry that you had to deal with sickle cell all your life. And he's just, you know, releasing. And I'm like, no, like this having sickle cell, man, was the best, fruit, one of the best things ever. I'm still alive because I have sickle cell yeah. because I was in some really reckless behavior, you know? Um, I mean, I was into like drinking, smoking weed and everything. And that for a sickle is terrible. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know that at that age, right? I, I didn't know it at that age that you go drinking and now there's this direct correlation. You are going to yeah. probably go into a crisis, right? You're smoking. Yeah. You're probably going to get into a crisis. And it wasn't until, um, so, so, so going back, right? Toy business is doing well. I'm now thinking I have the Midas touch. Yeah. So I've got all of these friends or the rappers or singers. What's the next thing you do? You start a record company. Yeah. So I take some of the, the toy money and I start a record company. I put about a hundred hundred thousand dollars into it, man. I was going to studios and going to New wow. York and everything. And we, we actually did pretty well. We got some play in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, Massachusetts, out that way. Um, but and you're I, still I, running the toy thing at the same time. You didn't you didn't transition, right? Yeah, and I'm still running the toy thing at the same time, right? Um, but I'm um. I'm one foot in, one foot out. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't get, like, a lot of my friends, they were just straight street guys. Yeah. So they were not really – I had one guy that was probably serious about going into the studios. And even him, he was on and off. So it was either, you know, he would be on the block, right, uh, yeah. selling, you know, drugs or chasing uh, females or just riding around. Um, we called it hitting blocks at that time. And uh, I, I really couldn't see, like – this being serious because they were super talented, but not really serious. And at this time I had an insane work ethic. Yeah. So I wanted to work 24 hours a day. How, like, how old are you at this point? You're still, you said mid twenties. Yeah. At this point, I'm probably about 24, I would say yeah. 23, yeah. 24. And you know, I just, I, I, I had one friend, man, Pedro, who, um, me and him, we would get up super early, like six in the morning, and go to radio stations. We would go to, you know, local radio stations. We would go to college and university stations and drop off music. Um, we would set up interviews and do all of this stuff. And the artists, like, we would get these interviews set up, and sometimes the artists would be willing to go. Sometimes yeah. they're like, you want me to travel to Jersey? Like, that's crazy, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. these are guys that were not used to leaving their side of town in Bridgeport. Yeah. So, um I just, I kind of had a feeling, man, that, that that was not going to uh, go the way that it, that I wanted it to go, that it could have gone because when you're pulling someone 
to cool. like you shouldn't have to force someone yeah to want what it is that they say they want so now the next thing i didn't morph into i've got this record company i knew everyone on all sides of towns uh, i knew the gangs over here knew the gangs over here the hustlers over here the the, the drug dealers over here because yeah. we would be out in the streets selling our music a lot and you get to know everyone and a lot yeah. of guys that i was with they they knew everyone so then we started doing parties we started bringing rappers down like 50 cents and jada kiss and um uh we brought like this rap group CNN, Capone Noriega down and yeah. um, Mr. Cheeks and just a lot of people down to our parties. And um, I mean, we would have huge parties, 500 to 1,000 people in them sometimes. And um, what we would do is me and my brother, we would leave early. We would leave like two, three o'clock sometimes with the money because again, you yeah. You had the stick up boys. They would come in and they would yeah, rob. Like cash, right? yeah. Dude, it's all cash. Yeah. So you got 20000 or whatever in cash. And uh, so me and my brother, we would leave with the money early sometimes. And um, it was just a really dangerous, that was a very dangerous business. I mean, people got shot in our parties and everything. Really? Um, got a guy that got killed. I mean, he, this guy's, they, they had a shootout in one of the parties. And um, the guys that ended up shooting him went to the hospital to finish the job. So ended up going to the emergency room and finishing the job off there. And um, so the, 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 the last paradigm shift that I had that actually had gotten to the point where I'm like, man, I got to get out of this environment was we did a party one night and my best friend, guy by the name of Goldbucks, um, stayed at the party. And I'm like, dude, you should come on, let's leave. We'll let the DJ and everybody else shut it down. He's like, no, I'm going to stay here. He, he was with some girl. And um, so I get home and now it's about 3.30, 4 o'clock. And uh, I, had, I had gone to sleep at this time. And then the DJ calls me. And he says, Ty, this is Flash. Your boy Bucks just got shot. And I'm like, what? You know, he's like, yeah, uh, there was this group, this, this gang at the time called Foundation Gang. And... Um, Apparently, when he was leaving out the party, he jumped in his car and they were across the street, about five or six of them, and they just shot his car up. All right. So I'm thinking, this is my best friend out here. We, we have been best friends forever. And um, now, mind you, this is when I had my first, my first child. She had just came home from the hospital that day. Wow. Right. Just that day. So I'm looking at her bassinet. I'm looking at her sleeping here. I'm on the phone with my DJ. He's like, your boy Bucks just got shot. And I'm just like looking at her and I'm like, this, this cannot, like, I cannot have her grow up fatherless. And that was it for me, man. I, that, 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 I would say a few weeks later, I ended up moving about 30, uh, 30 minutes away. And um, because I had always, you know, heard you got to change your circle. You have to change your circle. You know, you want to make the next move. You've got to get away from the people that are not good for you. And I knew that if I moved 30 minutes away, it was going to be tough for my friends at that time to come up. Right. Yeah. And it was going to be, you know, I would think about going back down. So that that was it. Did, Did he survive the shooting? He, he did. He did. Now, this guy ended up getting shot three times in the head, man. And and people usually don't make it getting shot one time in the head. And I remember my mom telling him, 
she's like J- James. That was his name. We called him Goldbucks, but his name was James. She's like James. You know, um, God is trying to tell you something. You know, yeah. you 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 need to. I remember him getting shot one time, and uh, he was with my brother and a friend of mine, and uh, he got shot in the head, and my brother and the friend had to hold his head together literally as he drove himself to the hospital and um holy crap isn't that crazy? like this is stuff that i always tell i tell my wife man sometimes i tell people stuff and and uh but she she would say listen people don't make it one time getting shot and you've got shot three times you know there's your life is here for a reason you need to do yeah. something with it he never he never did anything he's, he's in jail now as a matter of fact but um yeah. it didn't it didn't sink in right but man you know it's it's i'm sorry you went through this stuff but like your story is amazing i mean i think anybody listening can you know can say all right you know what i haven't had it this bad right and you you know you made it to the top yeah and i and i tell people man i'm like listen like like i was telling my brother the other day right i told you he called me the other day i'm like hell no like he was like man i'm sorry you have sick asylum you had to go through all of this i'm like listen that was the best thing ever like now as i'm in a hospital going through pain you're not thinking that right and it dope you up with morphine and demerol and everything but in hindsight you look back napoleon hill talks about it right he says with every adversity there's an equal or better opportunity had i not had sickle cell anemia there's so many other things that i probably would not have experienced i look around at the crew that i was running with at that time you know i mean there they're all in the same period. You know what I mean? Like you ever go back and you see someone that you knew as a, a 20 year old and there's, you have a conversation and they're still kind of still 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. They're still at that. Yeah. They might be 40, 45, whatever, but it's the same thing. So, yeah, um, it's, it, it is, it's an incredible thing. Um, you know, and you know, we got 15 minutes left. I want to ask you now, I'd love to have you on a second time because I want to hear the rest of the story. I mean, I've known you for a while and like the stuff I'm hearing is blowing my mind, yeah. but I also want to talk about Kindle cash flow. Let's right? do it. So, um, can we, can we take a break here, come back in a couple weeks, finish the story and talk about Kindle for the rest of the show? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, um, let's talk a little bit about it. Like. I, I mean, I know what it's, what it's about and whatnot, but let, let's let's tell the audience, you know, what it is, yeah. how it works, you know, how, how they can, you know, take part in it. Yeah, absolutely. So so going back to the record label, right? So that didn't work, but I had all this knowledge of how to groom artists, how to get radio play, how to produce music, everything else. Then the marketer in me, I'm like, man, like how, there's gotta be other people that are trying to start record labels that don't know how to do this stuff. It took me years to figure it out. So I ended up putting it in books, like I ended up uh, writing a couple of books and um, so you wrote books on the record industry, on the record industry, a few okay. different books. Right. Um, I built up a site called Music Contracts 101.com, uh, published them on that site, started selling these books here. And then also at that time, uh, Amazon, actually, I think they still have this program. They had a program called Amazon Advantage. And that was where you could take physical books and send them to Amazon. Like you can send them two dozen books, three dozen books, and they'll store them in their warehouse and they'll handle like the order taking, the support, yeah. uh, returns and all of that other stuff. So I was doing that and I had actually grown that business to a pretty decent uh, level. As a matter of fact, uh, Greg Caesar, you know, Greg, right? Yeah, from course, the marketers yeah. cruise. Part of our crew, yeah. Greg, Greg Greg's from Connecticut also. He's from uh, Hamden, Connecticut. Yeah. Stanford, Connecticut, actually. 
So Greg comes around my house one day, and at this time I'm I'm married, and uh, he sees all of these books spread out across the living room. He's like, "Dude, what is going on here?" I'm like, "Man, we're packaging these." It was just me and my wife. We're packaging these things up and we're sending them over to Amazon. So um, I was selling so many books on Amazon, man, through that Advantage program that they actually invited me to become a beta tester for like this this quote unquote new program that they were going to release called. Uh, the Kindle Direct Publishing Platform. And this was basically selling digital books, like ebooks. And I'm like, who the heck is going to buy an ebook? Like, people want to buy physical books, right? You know? Yeah. And um, so I was a little bit skeptical, but I had the files for my books because you had to send files to the printer in order to get your books printed. So, Microsoft Word Docs. And ironically enough, that's what you would use to upload your books to Amazon's Kindle platform. So, I had the files already. I didn't have to, you know, transfer anything over. So I uploaded them to Amazon, um, and I kind of forgot about it, to be honest with you, man. I I came back um, to, you know, doing what I was doing with the physical books, and then I ended up getting a check in the mail about a month and a half later after uploading these books, and it was it was a small check. I think it was a couple hundred bucks or something like that. But that was all it took. Like I'm like, whoa. Like this thing is it. So I ended up publishing more digital books. Um, I ended up studying more about, you know, price points that are um, the best to 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 kind of prompt people to buy. I ended up applying some of what I know about copywriting and marketing to some of these things. And then um, ended up doing really well with that. And then Greg again, you know, I was at about $10,000 a month of Kindle publishing. And he's like, dude, you know how Greg talks, dude. You yeah. need to teach people how to do this. And yeah, I could see it with that Greg smile on and everything. Yeah, you could you could yeah. see it, right? Because uh, yeah. you know, and I didn't want to talk to anyone. Like yeah. I'm like, man, I don't want to put together a course. Are you serious? Like I'm happy being behind the computer doing this. And uh, but he stayed on me for about a good year, man. Greg and another yeah. guy by the Greg name likes of... to put those courses together. You know, so, he does. He yeah. does. You yeah. know. So him and another guy by the name of Steven Pierce, man, they both stayed on me. They're like, dude, you have something that is actually helping people, that's teaching people, that changes people's lives if they applied it. And yeah. um, I ended up putting together a course, man. And this is actually behind me. You can see one of my first courses here. Um, this is how long ago this was, the first one. This is it was back in it was in a DVD format. So check this out. Oh, wow. Wow, you've been you've been doing Kindle that long, That's man. Awesome. I've been doing it for almost fourteen years. So, um, this it was in a DVD format. I've got these little booklets and everything that it, that that we had, and yeah, yeah. So, wow. so, so, just to just to digress a little on Greg, was Greg in, into marketing at this point, or did you drag him in? Because I don't I don't completely know his story either. No, Greg. Greg was actually into marketing, man. We actually. I think we got into marketing maybe around the same time. And and although we both lived in, in Connecticut, we didn't know each other. So yeah. it was a guy in Michigan that actually kind of introduced us together. Oh, that's so. I mean, we haven't had Greg on the show. We're actually trying to book yeah. him uh, for, for next month. So this will be yeah. a like, pretty cool lead-in. So. Yeah. yeah, Greg's wow. brilliant. Wow. Greg, so, he's a brilliant so kind of, guy. So Gre Greg was like the that voice, huh? He was that voice, man. And, and see, that's the thing. Sometimes you need people that are going to be honest with you. Yeah. That are going to be persistent too. Cause he could have, he could have told me one time, Hey Ty, you need to put together a course. Yeah. And left it at that. But every time I saw him, I'm like, Oh my God, Greg, please 
enough with the course already. Yeah, you know? but that's like that's like Greg's personality, you know, like he, yeah. he sees it like I'm surprised he didn't hop on it. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. So, he's, he started publishing Kindle books. Yeah. 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 No, that's I know. I know he's been doing a lot of that stuff for a while, but I'm surprised he wasn't like, OK, listen, you don't want to do it. I'm going to do put it, it together. You just feed me the info, you know, yeah. like, that's kind of a kind of a Greg move, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so now 15 years into it, um, tell us a little bit more about like, you know, what, what, what you're teaching people. Yeah, man. So basically I'm teaching people. So there's two ways that you could do it, right? You could publish fact or fiction. So you could go in and you could publish like romance novels, which is what my 16 year old does, which is crazy. Cause he's this, this big bulky football player. Um, he's, he's writing love stories, <laughs> but he's, he's, and that's, that's the cool part about it. I'll tell you about that. So, so you could post, you could publish that type of stuff, or you could publish like, uh, you know, personal development or, you know, courses on how to buy a house or how to, how to create a YouTube channel or how to start a podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, right, man, I have taught this to, I would say about a quarter of a million people around the planet now. And, um, in our, in our group I've, I've helped. So I've helped hundreds of people in my mastermind, right? Yeah. I've have helped nearly 15,000 people who actually have, have purchased that course, that Kindle cash flow, uh, course there. And, about 240,000 people that have actually attended like one of my trainings, one of my webinars or heard me speak from the stage or, yeah. you know, in some sense or watched a video like this or something like that. Yeah. So, so basically in, in a nutshell, it's teaching people how to self-publish content on Amazon and creating a recurring passive income stream from it by selling intellectual property. If you look at like a lot of a wealth that's made, a lot of it is through intellectual property, right? So people that write books, people that write screenplays or producers of movies or um, songwriters, right? Who want to write to their songs or, their, or producers who want to write to their music that they that they create, that they compose. Um, and this is just an easy way for people to get in because, again, going back to my 16-year-old, right? He sells romance novels, but he's not writing any of them. So the way that you can publish your own content is you can either write it yourself or you can outsource it. You can find someone that's going to write it. And that's super easy. There's sites like... Wait, you're telling me that somebody's going to write it for me instead of publishing it themselves? Dude, that's the number one question I get. And here's the thing. They're not entrepreneurs. They're yeah. writers. They're intimidated by trying to go in and publish it. They, and, and a lot of them don't even realize that the opportunity is there. Some of them do. And it's, it's like having talent. Like talent beats skill every time i think talent yeah. beats the drive and the discipline all the yeah. time right so you see plenty of talented people that are broke because a lot of artists things like that yeah yeah and and you know it's because they don't know what to do with the talent yeah so so, so you're becoming like a talent manager for them right you're taking basically their, it yeah their book yep. you're putting it online um you giving them a cut or you give you paying no i pay them a flat fee nope flat I, fee yeah, I don't want to deal with the logistics of that. Yeah, their name goes on the book. No, not at all. Really? Nope. Nope. So we use a pen name. So for everything that we publish, we put a pen name on. Now I've got a lot of my students that use their own name, but I don't put my names on anything. And I also teach people not to put their names on it, especially if you're publishing under different genres, because then you don't want to look like the jack of all trades, right? Ty's got a book on mechanics. He's got a book on how to raise children. He's got a book on you know how to plant Japanese tomato gardens. Then it starts to look crazy. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. 
So, uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's effortless because I know nothing is, but you're really just, you're playing a management game here, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so now you've got this stuff, like, where do I find you? How do I get involved in this? You know, what kind of levels of, of, of it can I get involved in? Yeah. So you can actually, if you want to, Try it out. You can go to, I've got a free video. It's a three-step video. You can go to Kindle Cashflow SMI. So kindlecashflow.com uh, forward slash SMI, and you'll go in and you'll um, be able to register for a free video training that I have there. And uh, it actually takes you through the three steps. So there's three steps that I talk about. The first step is market research. And that is finding out what's already selling so that you can model it. So that way you're not reinventing the wheel, right? Okay, there's, yeah. there's tons of books that are selling already. You go in and you're kind of modeling what's already proven, what already has an audience, what already uh, has a demand. And then the second step is to create the content. And then there's three ways that you can create your content. Number one, you can write it if that's you, right? My wife is a writer. I'm not a writer, so I don't I don't write my books. Uh, what I do is the second step, and that is outsource it. So I'll go in, I'll pay someone 150 bucks to create a book for me. And I own the rights to it. I own the byline rights. I own the copyrights to it and everything. And then I can market and sell it as long as I want to. So that's the second way that you can get your content. The third way is you can go in and you can speak it into like your phone. There's a ton of different apps that are out there. And then you can use a site like rev.com, R-E-V.com, uh, and they'll transcribe it for you. It's like a dollar a minute. And um, you can get like a... a fully produced book for about a hundred bucks by speaking it and having it transcribed on rev.com. Wow. So, yep. so my question is, is like, Ty, this has been around for 15 years. Is this market saturated? Like, no, absolutely not. Think about it. Books have been around for freaking centuries, right? So books yeah. have been around forever. And there's always, let's say you publish a book on how to raise a kid, right? How to, yeah. I mean, there's different levels to that. How to, how to, how to uh, care for a newborn. Yeah. The dad's guide to being a first-time father. The mom's guide to being a first-time mother. The grandparent's yeah. guide to being a first-time grandparent, right? There's so many different levels. Listen, I've got books on dating that cover different ethnicities. How to how to, how to to find and date an African-American woman. How to find and date a Chinese woman. How to find and date an Italian woman, right? So That's you can, an awesome book. I never thought about that. It's Yeah, it's super easy. Once you start to learn how to segment it and niche it down, yeah. it becomes really easy. Yeah. And, and so, so my next thing is, is like, Ty, we've got YouTube and we've got Netflix and all this stuff. Like, why do I want to read a book? Some people, they just love reading. Like yeah. I, I, me personally, I'd rather, listen, I've got this book here, right? Atomic Habits. This is a pretty decent book here. And I'd rather read this than look at a YouTube video. I, number one, don't have the time to sit and look at a YouTube video. Um, the second thing is, I'm just all over the place when I watch a YouTube video. So yeah. three minutes into it, I'm, you know, off on to the next it. thing. So, yeah. so we, you're talking about not having the time. Um, so when you buy these books, are you getting audio versions of them as well? You So that's one step that we do teach. So you can yeah. take your book and you convert it into an audio uh, book. You can actually even turn some of them into physical books if you want to add more content to it. Really? So, yeah. Okay. So there's a lot. So you can Amazon's have them. going to offer you Audible and actual print services. Yep. Yep. So if you go to Amazon and for example, if you look up this book on Amazon, Atomic Habits, right? 
You'll probably see the Kindle version and the physical version and the audio version of it. And they're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's great. Man, so you're going to give me A to Z, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like the whole thing? Yeah. Now, now, but but I heard you say some things that really intrigued me. It's like you talk about masterminds and stuff. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're giving me the entry level into your program. But if I if I want to, you know, subscribe to, to some of your higher level stuff, well, where do I go for that? Yeah. So that that you can actually if you go to that site that I just gave you to kindlecastrocom forward slash SMI, that'll lead you into some of the higher levels. But we, we like to have people go to that entry level program so that you get a total understanding of it. You get some results. Um, man, we've got some people that are doing, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month with this stuff. We've got uh, people that are doing ten thousand a month. We've got people that are doing eighteen thousand. As a matter of fact, we give away. Hold on, I'm gonna see if my mic. So for our students that hit, <laughs> we've got these plaques here. So for our students that get to the ten thousand dollar a month level, oh, that's so cool. We give them these plaques with their name on. It. I don't know if you could see Nate yeah, Mascari. Yeah, you can. can see your name. Yeah. So Nate is actually at 18,000 now. He just sent, I, th- I think he's at the 18,000 or something. He just sent us an update. So we have a platinum plaque for all of our students that get to 20,000 a month. And um, it's pretty cool, man. It's, 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 uh, I'm going to show you. Let me see if I got some of these guys in here. Uh, probably not. My, my daughter takes my phone and she's got a, she has a million pictures in here, but it's cool to see students coming in and getting really good results, you know, starting out with making a couple hundred bucks a month and then, yeah. you know, yeah, going no, to, incredible. Yeah, um, so. you know, we're, we're, we're basically out of time and I feel like I still have two or three hours of, of stuff I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about the other businesses and, you know, we didn't talk about the rest of, rest of your, you know, your, your journey. Cause I, I always feel like that's such a huge part of this, right? You Absolutely. Know, I want people to understand that you're not some guy who had some rich parents that like got lucky or, you know, got thrown into something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your story is probably one of the most intriguing ones I've ever heard. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I'd love to have you back on the show, um, hopefully soon, you know, if that's something we can work into the schedule um, and, you know, kind of finish what, what we started. But, Absolutely. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah. Great, great. That's awesome. But before we leave this, is you know, is there anything that you need to get off your chest or anything you want to talk about Kindle or you know, push people in a direction? How much is the program? I like everyone always asks. I always forget to ask this question. What's yeah. it going to cost me to get in on this? Yeah. So this program. So like I said, you can watch that video for free. It's a two-hour-long yeah. video. I put everything in there. So wow. Really? Um, we talk about the market research. I give you those three steps that we just talked about. But then if you yeah. want to take and, and the way I put the video together is in a way to give back. So if someone watches that video, they can get the premise of it. Like wow. I've had people over the years that have actually watched the video and reached out to me on Skype or Messenger or somehow and have said, man, you know, this is where I'm at just by watching your free video. But then we also have a course. It's an online course. It's not this physical course anymore. It's all digital. Um, and that will help you to get even more advanced training. So that course is $997 and you can go directly to um, Kindle Cash Flow. The same same exact video, actually. And at the end of the video, you'll see an option to actually purchase. I mean, that's, that's super affordable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and what, what I mean, how many hours are we talking that you got to put into this? 
Yeah, so it's because it's like an online course, you can put in whatever time you have. So some people have 30 minutes, an hour a week. Some people okay. have, you know, 10 hours a week. But, yeah. but I do tell people to put, here's the thing, regardless of what type of business you're starting, I think you should put time into it every single day. Like that's been my secret sauce for yeah. as long as I can remember. Whether I'm in a hospital, whether I'm on vacation, whether I'm sitting on the beach, Every single day I'm doing something in my business. Now, you might not have five hours, but you got five minutes, right? Yeah. You could take five minutes and you can plan. You could take five minutes, you could send an email. You can take five minutes, you can send a text to someone, you know, or you can do some market research in five minutes. But every single yeah. day, if you develop that habit, I think you'll be amazing and you'll beat yeah, almost yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, thanks for being on the show. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate I appreciate you being so open. You know, you touched on a lot of personal things. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I mean, I feel better, you know, knowing kind of this stuff that, that you've told us. Right. You know, it, it, it really like like I said, I, I, I've known, a, you know, a little bit about your backstory, but like it, it, it gives me more of a um, even higher respect for me than I already had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about some deep stuff right in the past. Um, and it's really cool, you know, and, and we, I, you know, I appreciate it. I know the guests, I mean, the, the people watching appreciate it. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on and, you know, and, and good luck with your health. Um, and hope to see you soon again. All right. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. And, and guys, if, you know, if someone's watching this and you're going through a hard time right now, just know that like that is your strength. You know, I've dealt with a lot of people in business and things like that. And it just gives me the strength, like, to like, I'm like, this right here, like, is a piece of cake compared to everything else. So look at the issues that you might be experiencing or that you have experienced in life. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm at events or I'm at, I'm doing my own seminar or something like that. And we have like this major issue that's major to everyone else. And I'm like, yeah, right. if only you knew what a real major issue is, this is a piece of crap. Right. Yeah. First world problem. So, yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that, that closing statement, you know, um, uh. It's nice. Um, one more time, the URL. Yep. KindleCashflow.com. KindleCashflow.com forward slash SMI. So forward slash SMI. Okay. Ty Cohen, we're, we, we can just search you, right? Find you online if we need Instagrams or Facebooks or anything like that, right? Yep, absolutely. Or you could just go to TyCohen.com forward slash social and you'll okay. find like all of my profiles right there. YouTube, Great. everything. So. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, don't be a stranger and let's, let's, let's speak soon again. All right. Absolutely. I'll see you. Thank Good you. show. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.